and thank you for joining us on Giving Voice to Depression. I'm Bridget. And I'm Terry. More than 350 million people worldwide suffer from depression, but you do not have to have it yourself to be affected by it. Its prevalence pretty much guarantees that someone you care about battles its darkness. This podcast tries to shine some light into that darkness. We're not experts and we're not therapists. We're sisters and best friends who live with depression and who are committed to encouraging healthy, healing conversations about mental illness. Today on Giving Voice to Depression, we're going to discuss yet another of the many facets of suicide. Our first episode was with Steve, a suicide attempt survivor. Next, we spoke with Abe, who lost his 13-year-old daughter to suicide. And today, we will talk with Medi Spies. Your perspective on depression can be from a number of different angles. You may just see a little sliver of it when a coworker seems really off, or you may be curled up in bed under its weight, or ready to surrender to its sometimes cunning and relentless lies. If I had to describe Medi Species' view of depression, it would be the word panoramic. Well, I have a very unique experience when it comes to mental illness and suicidal loss. Medi's first memories of suicidal thoughts are in kindergarten. But I didn't know how to verbalize that, and I was really ashamed. I, I didn't think anyone else on the planet had thoughts of ending their own life, let alone someone under my own roof. But her older brother, Ronnie, was having those same thoughts. And when Medi was just nine years old, he lost his battle with them. So I, I witnessed that grieving and that fallout and that devastation throughout my family growing up, and it, it really shaped who I was uh, at my core. Mm. After he passed, I, I was terrified that our endings would be the same. Determined to avoid that, Medi reached out again and again for help. And I saw several doctors, and my diagnosis changed several times, and it had definitely a roller coaster of, of up and downs with depression and anxiety. And I fought really hard to get to a place where I, I came out on the other side. I, I could see that beauty on the other side of depression and, and grief uh, of losing a loved one to suicide. On the other side, Medi, her parents, sister, and brother Eddie found ways to quietly honor their grief as they rebuilt and lived their lives. Yet they rarely spoke of suicide in general, or of Ronnie in particular. I was doing quite well. I was medicated, uh, had a wonderful corporate career and marriage, and I came home on St. Patrick's Day of 2014 to 17 missed calls from my sister-in-law, Megan, who happened to be Eddie's wife. And in between screams and sobs, she said the words I never thought I would hear again. Your brother died by suicide. Ed's gone. And my whole world fell apart. With both her brothers suddenly gone, Medi hit what she describes as a rock bottom she didn't even know existed. I believed really in my core that if you lose one loved one to suicide, you're kind of done. Right. 
I mean, I never in a million years thought that it would happen twice in, in one family. So when it came around, you know, almost 20 years later, it was a total devastation, a, a total shock um, that really just rocked me to my core. I was really hitting that rock bottom. I was going through cycles of massive depression and then uh, hypomania where I, I would be up for days. And so I, I reached out. I saw a wonderful psychiatrist. He, he put me on a new medication uh, that, that really made a difference. Adding to the devastation was community reaction to the news. Medi, who spoke at both her brother's funerals, experienced a surreal deja vu and the first of what she calls the three unique aspects of suicidal grief, shame. Looking out into the same hundreds of, of tear-stained faces, I couldn't help but think that they were in some ways judging me and judging my family and thinking, basically, what in the hell's the matter with those people? Hmm. You know, how in the world can this happen? The second unique emotion Medi has found that survivors of suicide often experience is guilt. I, I call that the what-if prison. Hmm. So it is the what if I would have reached out to them that day? What if I would have made sure they took their medication? What if I would have been a better mom, sister, aunt? Would that have made a difference? And that guilt can literally imprison people for years. And the third is the double-edged sword of anger. The anger can be with the person that passes by suicide. And, and I experienced this with both of my, my brothers passing. It's, it's an anger that can almost feel like it's radiating out of your bones for having them leave you in, in the wake of destruction that's caused after a suicide. Mm -hmm. Um, then the anger can also come from inside families and inside communities of, of whom to blame, you know, who didn't intervene, who can we put this on? Medi says she eventually found relief from her anger in understanding. In my opinion and in my experience, suicide isn't a choice. It's what happens when pain exceeds resources for coping with pain. And I know that in that moment, my brothers weren't thinking about that devastation that, that, that would be left behind. They, they did what they, they needed to do at that point mm -hmm. within the mind frame that they were in. Right. Which obviously was a warped mind, mind frame, but, but that's where they were at. That's where they were. I understand through my, my own experience what the suicidal mind is like and, and, and the lies that it tells and, and the hate that it spews and the relief that it promises. So I can put myself in Eddie and Ronnie's shoes and I absolutely know why it made sense and why they thought it was their only option. And I find relief in that. Wow. When she says the lies that suicide and depression tell and the hate it spews and the relief it promises, that just hit me hard. Yeah, absolutely. 
And and the description of, you know, when pain exceeds your resources, you aren't left with any choice. Right. You know, that myth of committing suicide being such a selfish act right. and that it just displaces the pain um, onto those that are left. I think when it does do that. When you're in that mindset, but it yeah. feels like the most selfless thing that you could do. You're actually not only relieving your pain, but you're making everyone else's life better in your mind. And right. I, know, I know that that's utter distortion, but in the moment... That can really feel like the reality. And I've really come to understand that better both through your story and then several of the other people we have spoken with, including Steve and now Medi. It has completely reframed the way I think about suicide because when you understand, and that's what conversations do, they pull the curtain back and, and help you to understand, it completely changes your perspective on it. Absolutely, absolutely. And to have to go through this experience twice, it's just unfathomable. It is, twice. Another thing that Mehdi and I spoke about was the language of suicide, and we talked about this with Steve and not using the word commit suicide, and she said that when someone does say that, it's like a knife in her gut. She said that uh, when someone doesn't use it, she knows right away that they have a different level of understanding and empathy. But we also talked about the questions not to ask, and they, of course, Mm -hmm. include how did he do it and was there a note, Um, neither of which are any of your business, and it's completely up to the survivors to disclose that information in an organic way if and when they ever choose to, because that's not what matters. What matters is the bottom line, which is that they have suffered an extraordinary and sudden loss. Yes. And suicide claims about 800,000 lives a year. That is mind-boggling and very, very sad. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, both our podcast and the World Health Organization say by talking, you know, by, by needing to vocalize your experience, by reaching out and connecting with another person, by asking for help, mm-hmm. um, that really is the first step. It is the first huge step, just talking about it. And that's what we're trying to do here is normalize depression and all of the things that relate to it. Yes. MediSpeece, by the way, is a motivational speaker and founder of HopeHeroesUnite.com. That's an anti-bullying and suicide prevention training organization whose mission is to create a world where no one suffers in silence. She, like us, believes that empowered voices save lives. Thank you, Medi, for sharing your story. Thank you, Bridget. And we hope that our podcasts bring about a little more understanding or help people articulate their experience of depression a little more. And thanks to each and every person who's digging deep and finding the words and finding the courage to give voice to depression. And you can find our podcasts on our website, givingvoicetodepression.com, as well as on iTunes, where we hope you will subscribe, rate, and respectfully comment. And please remember, if you're hurting, speak up. If someone else is hurting, listen up.